This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports with top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis. This is one-on-one's NFL Friday. It's that time again. Please to be back for another edition of NFL Friday. Vinny DeBell is joined by Reed Horner, Brendan O'Connell. Fellas, what's going on? Nothing much. Excited, excited. I was just checking out the Jordan commercial we were talking about. I didn't know it existed, the whole goat thing. Pretty interesting, but um, exciting week to come. Yeah, big week coming up. We got a lot of key matchups. Obviously, we got Green Bay, New England this Sunday night. You got uh, the Steelers and the Ravens facing off in division. You got maybe the two best teams in the NFC with the Rams and Saints going. So I'm excited for this weekend. Yeah, I didn't realize how many marquee matchups there were until just looking a few minutes ago. But, I mean, Brady Rodgers, that's – I mean, nothing more needs to be said about that. And then the the Rams game, you're talking about potential NFC championship um, forecast for the future. So two really great games there. But first got to touch on last night, Nick Mullins. It was the Nick Mullins show (laughs) um, in – Raiders against Niners. I don't think anyone had that game on to begin with. Did anyone tune in? Was like, I need to watch Not, Niners. Raiders. They didn't have no it on right? intentionally. At it was least. a great time for a nap. For exactly, yeah. Yeah. late nap. The elevator, equivalent, the elevator music equivalent of an NFL game. <laughs> it's just like. But not for Nick Mullins. It was his coming out show. Honestly, I think that game was so bad his parents didn't even watch oh, the game. Oh, come on. <laughs> Holy smokes. So he's Did you guys know he's the third I read this this morning. He's the third quarterback in the Super Bowl era for uh like in his debut to pass for 250 plus uh passing yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. The others being Fran Tarkenton and Jim Kelly. So the Oakland Raiders are so bad they made him look like an all-time talent. That- he had a 151 151- Passer rating. That's what I was going to say. Do you guys think this was about Nick Mullins, or is this about how disappointing the Raiders have been this year? Because I don't know. I really can't tell in a game like that. I mean, that's the question. I think the easy answer, which I'm going to go with, is a little <laughs> bit of both. And having oh, great. Not you're watching... going to take a hard stance. All like, right, I I'll, go, I'll go Raiders. I'll go Raiders being <laughs> bad be rather like... than Mullins being good. As much as that, that's Wait, the pessimist So you don't trust Mullins to be a starting QB? You're telling me this, the one game, he didn't prove enough. Hey, man, his numbers look good, so I'm, I'm hoping for his sake that he proves me wrong, but the Raiders have been so disappointing this year. I, I liked Gruden coming in at, at the higher, and look, I think you got to give him a few years before you really cancel on him, but it, it makes me think that maybe, you, you know, you hear this about really coaching in general. I hear it in the NBA a lot of times, but um, just that guys – in terms of a hiatus, you take a 10- to 15-year hiatus from the league, which I think it was around then when, when he coached last, and you're just sort of out of the loop so much that you can't relate to players and you're, you're just not ready to be a Even coach in the NFL though, again. Even though he he was around the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. The league but has think changed about the Van a Gundys lot, though. Or something. Exactly. Yeah. The way you scheme up a defense now, I mean, like, we talk all the time about how you can't really play defense anymore, and, you know, that's a little bit of a stretch, but you definitely can't play defense the way you did back in the early 2000s, which is when Gruden was last coaching and when he was making Super Bowls. You know what really scared me the moment? Because I love John Gruden, and I was praising the Raiders for doing that. And the Raiders were good recently. <laughs> like, like oh, I yeah, had a Carr years ago. as a superstar. They're going to Vegas. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I thought while Gruden was removed from football, I thought because he was doing Monday Night Football, he was plugged into the sport, so he was understanding how it was evolving. But the moment... That made me go, oh no, this could be horrible both for his legacy and the Raiders. Was when after they traded Khalil Mack, he turns around and goes like, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, yeah, these edge rushers aren't easy to find. Someone asked him like, how are you gonna replace Mack? And I'm just thinking in my head like, not not easy to find. You just you just 
No, they're easy. Once you have one, you just have to pay them. Mm -hmm. That just showed me some kind of cluelessness or disconnect that scared me. It's a little moment. I mean, I'm not saying like, like I knew for sure they'd be horrible, but that set me on the path of uns being unsure, and I'm still there. For the Raiders' sake, though, I hope it's by design. I hope that they're not just this bad, you know, by accident. Because I think, you know, coming in, you give Gruden a 10-year contract. Gruden's got time. Vinny and I were talking about this earlier. He's got time to kind of get his house in order, change the culture there. And right now it's for the worse. Obviously, only a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, Reed, the, the Raiders were at the top of the league. But maybe they're going to Vegas. It's hard to move a great team out of a city so i don't want to say they're <laughs> it sounds intentionally conspiratorial now <laughs> i don't want to say they're intentionally tanking mm -hmm. but gruden does have time to kind of decide who he wants to keep and who he doesn't want to keep he traded khalil mack which on the surface looks bad and obviously makes their defense worse now but he gets a few really high draft picks back in return plus he doesn't have to tie up all that money by paying him top top of the market for six years i think is what he got uh in the deal with chicago um then you get amari cooper you trade him for a first round pick so he's Definitely in rebuild mode, trying to stockpile draft picks, get talent in there on both sides of the ball. Maybe you keep Derek Carr because you believe in him. And I know Carr, people ask him every week, are you like trying to stick around for the long haul? He seems to be in it. Um, What's but, he going to say? No, I'm good. No, I know. It's it's a Pack weird bags. situation for a player. But uh, I think between Gruden trying to transition to the modern-day NFL and trying to decide who he wants to keep for the long haul over the duration of his contract— Plus, he's got time to figure it out. I think that's all factoring into the Raiders having a bad season this year. So you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. Give him some time before for now. You yeah, yeah. Judgment. For now. I understand. I, I think it's just it's crazy how in the NFL. I mean, prior to the MAC trade, which is only eight games ago, you know, only eight games I say, which is half an NFL season. <laughs> but you know, I I saw them as being a contender for the division. Me, I had I gotta say, guys, probably you had one in it. I I had Did Derek Carr as my Bowl? sneaker sneaky MVP. Oh, okay, okay. Like hey. it was out there, but I had Derek Carr as a sneaky MVP because I looked at them. I thought they were going to be in a high scoring team that allowed a lot of points. They they got half of that right. Just he's one of those trick or treat part. guys. Not to have a Halloween pun in there, but he's, he's trick or treat. I mean, like some years he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Some years he's you know really average to below average, which I think is. True, not to get on a tangent, but Cam Newton, too. I think you can say the mm. same thing about him. I think every year you have guys who are like dark horse MVPs. They're just not consistent enough at this stage in their career to vie for that year in and year out. And he's young, again. He burst out. Again, I get a whole tangent about expectations in sports and how they can ruin a career no matter how good or bad it is. But he came in and like a surprised all of us. So like we don't even know if this is him or if this is the team. But I was always curious, you mentioned about tanking. Like, do you tank if you have a franchise QB, which we assume he is? I don't. I don't know if they're assuming he's a franchise quarterback. You don't think they if, are? No, I don't. I don't think they're all in on him. A hundred percent. If they do think he's a franchise quarterback, and you don't feel like you have the t pieces around him, then is I he? don't know. Uh, here's my thing. I, it, it's clear they're in tank mode. Trade away Mari Cooper, and I, look, they got great value for him. I don't think he was worth the first round pick, but. You know, they're stockpiling all these draft picks for the next few years. Gruden obviously has the job security for a 10-year contract. He's thinking down the line. And, I, I mean, you, you make a good point about Carr being young. I was always a big fan of him, too. Um, John DeBarrow, good stat that we were talking about before the game. What was it exactly? That Gruden – no, Carr had more MVP votes. I think I'm getting this right. More MVP votes in the 2016 year than Russell Wilson ever had in one year in his yeah, career. In any of Russell Wilson's seasons. He yeah, was like, that was pretty to crazy me. to me. He was good. I mean, probably should have won MVP. Let's not talk MVPs because then you're going to get me on my NBA tangent about how <laughs> Steph Curry and all that kind of 
no, we're not going to get into that. Best player award, but best, best player, player season in, of the in, player yeah. the, the season award. That was we'll call the it that. Uh, that was the year that Carr got injured though, with like a week or two to go in the season, right? I oh, believe yeah. so. It was yeah. brutal. Yeah. So right like, if end. he had stayed healthy, maybe he wins that award. Maybe he gets his team deep in the playoffs. Um, you know, so that injury definitely factored into the end of his season there. Yeah. Red Sox fans might think of it. What if this is the beginning of the of the Khalil Mack curse, much like Babe Ruth back all over? They don't win for <laughs> eighty seven years for trading away DN. That'd be the most pathetic kind of <laughs> curse take, ever. I think the NFL is gone in eighty seven years. I don't think it exists. But that's <laughs> oh, yeah. a whole. We could have a whole show on that. Oh, um, I mean, you could talk about if, if we're going to be here in eighty seven years. True, but that's a discussion. So yeah, I'm not. It. I'm not great at projecting eighty plus years ahead. So I'm, I'm going to have to stay out of this. Know, I'm an expert in it. Trust me. <laughs> So just before we get into our first fantasy hit, can I we speak p- about bad coaching later? Let's too? do it because because hold up, Hugh Jackson, right? Yeah, now. Yeah, we got to talk it. about the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> he's, he's hit it right now. What are you doing? He's not even waiting for the transition. I love it. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I had to. I had to <laughs> jump in good. there on the. It's all good. Uh, That's what we do on NFL Friday. Get it off your chest. Get Reed, it off you, your chest. Do you have a Hugh Jackson thought before I launch? My only thought right now is what do you think? What do you think? because obviously you got a strong take. I mean, well, we talked. I was on Pick and Pod earlier this week. We talked about another Cleveland coaching fire with Tyron Lue. And what I said there was, what are you expecting? You have a roster that's not that good. Oh, my God. And, and don't, you're don't firing Tyron Don't get me started Lue. on this. Okay, uh, on anyway. This but what are you expecting with Hugh Jackson? I mean, you have had two seasons. I think they were 0-16 and, and then 1-15. and Now they're semi-decent, and you decide to fire both him and the offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, when you're grooming your franchise quarterback. That you know, franchise turmoil is not going to help Baker Mayfield develop. I don't know what the Cleveland Browns are thinking here. And again, I don't think that Hugh Jackson is all that good. I don't think Todd Haley is anything special. I think you can find those guys again. But to to totally mess with the atmosphere and the, uh, you know, the environment that Baker Mayfield is trying to develop in, I just don't get it at all. I'm with you on that. But playing devil's advocate, what if they're thinking, hey, we have this young QB who's going to develop and become the next Tom Brady? Probably not, most likely not the truth, but they're Cleveland and delusional already. Yeah, so, I, mean, I think Baker's the next Brady. I, th- I, th- I think he's going to be. <laughs> anyways, so they're thinking, hey, we don't like Hugh Jackson. He's not going to be good for our future. Is it better to cut him now when Mayfield really hasn't started developing all so much? Or do it in three years when Mayfield's comfortable with this average coach and comfortable with this average system. That's the only thing I'm I'm thinking about. But then again, you better replace him with a good coach. I think you wait until the offseason at least because I mean you look at the Cleveland Browns record right now, they're two five and one, but they could easily be like five and three. They've played a lot of close games against a lot of good opponents. And I just I again, Hugh Jackson is nothing special at the head coach, you know, position. It did but, seem like strange timing, though. Yeah, what is the deal? Maybe they got into an argument. You think that, like, behind the scenes, there's some weird thing where they're just like, it's last straw. Uh, we, t- we talked about it a little bit before. I don't know if this was during the show or right before, but the, the comment that you made. You guys made, seem to have a lot of conversations without me before <laughs> yeah, the show. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. Hey, you took your time getting in here. So <laughs> we were, uh, well, what was the comment? I don't, I don't have it exactly, but saying how. John, oh, so, somebody asked somebody some, asked yeah. him about a, a timeout or why he didn't call a timeout, and he implied that he couldn't even remember what happened at that point. And I think that might have been just the straw that broke the camel's back. Like it just seems like kind of a careless comment. I'm not saying that that was definitely what got him fired, but for anyone to be able to stick around three thirty six and one, like that's one of the most horrific stretches that I've ever seen. I and they cut him the cut him some slack because the team was so bad throughout that time. And you say, "Oh, blame the GM; he's not working with with much." And he seemed like a likable guy. I watched a, a lot of the Browns' hard knocks, and I think, 
I'm a firm believer that after watching a season of Hard Knocks, you can't help but like the team that you're watching. It could yeah, be the, that's, the most that's awful team ever. That's more credit to HBO. Yeah, exactly. Big shout out to HBO. Shout um, out HBO. And whoever was, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he used to come in for the workshops every year. Oh, you're right. Hank Greenberg. I I'm, might be making that up. Might totally be making his name up. But he used to come in for, uh, that wasn't his name. Charlie's saying no. So, all right, never mind. Shout out HBO execs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but three thirty six and one, that's a pretty awful record. And I give him credit for maintaining the job for, for so long. Um, but that's the thing too, he had one win in two seasons. You could have fired him at any point during that time. Now the roster is at least average. The team's record could be, you know, five and three. They're two five and one. Yeah, does, you know, does it's this, not great. Does but this mean that they think they have a coach ready to take the reins? I doubt like, it. I don't know. You would hope so, but well, I really doubt that, it. That would then be like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. Why are we doing this? And a lot I would of teams not be, would do yeah, it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hope, Browns hoping did they accidentally put their wingsuit on uh-huh. instead. Like no. Yeah. So hopefully things look up for or are looking up for the Browns going forward. And there's a lot of talent on the team. Uh, they probably have a decent draft pick this year. So I think they're moving in the right direction. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in there for the long term. Uh, maybe the guy, I'm blanking on his name right now, but with the belly that, that made uh, – <laughs> All D-linemen you know D- in the NFL, the, you mean? Yeah, that's like the coach half that the went coaches like, in existence. He went viral. Oh, the coach. He, was, oh, he would start laughing. From uh, Notre Dame? No, 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 no. Oh, I forgot. I thought you know who Patriot I'm talking Weiss. about. No, not What's his name? Weiss. Bob Wiley. You gotta look up Bob Wiley for anyone who hasn't. You've definitely Wiley. seen him on Twitter, or he he went viral from from Hard Knocks again. He would do this laugh where his his belly would start popping out. He was just gigantic. So I, that'd be my pick. There's for head been coach. a lot of talk about Lincoln based Riley. off of his ability to become yeah, a meme. That's exactly <laughs> marketability. That's Brown's. Browns uh, I can see you in the boardroom, guys. Right look at this guy. He may have weird quirks, but he's marketable. He's marketable. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach who had uh, Baker when he was in college, but he doesn't seem sold on the Browns position, and I don't blame him. Yeah, and it's tough too, because especially consider the job security of uh, college guys at this point, and they're. NFL coaches are on the bubble all the time. College, there's a little bit more job security, but um, we could have a whole conversation on that. Let, it's time for our first fantasy hit with John DeBarro for our fantasy starters. Who should we start this week? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky draws a nice matchup versus a disastrous Bills team coming off a short week. Trubisky shouldn't have to win the game through the air, freeing him up to score fantasy points on the ground, something he's done the last four games, rushing for at least 47 yards in each contest. Playing mistake-free football and controlling the ground game gives Trubisky a high floor and makes him a safe play as your starter. Entering the season, it was Dalvin Cook stealing all of the headlines in Minnesota, but now it's Latavius Murray stealing all the touches in the Vikings' backfield. Still nursing a hamstring injury, Cook will be on a snap count this Sunday against Detroit, positioning Murray for a nice workload against the Lions defense, ranked in the bottom five in fantasy points allowed to running backs. And Bucks fans aren't the only ones excited to see Ryan Fitzpatrick back under center in Tampa Bay. Receiver Deshaun Jackson has posted his two best fantasy outings with Fitzpatrick in the lineup, and the duo is poised to get things back on track in what's shaping up to be another NFC South shootout in Carolina. With Jackson, it only takes one big play to post a respectable point total on the week. And those are your surefire starters for week nine. Great stuff from John. He'll be back with sleepers and sit later. But now it's time for our Jets report. And uh, Jets-Dolphins this week. 
And here's my Jets report for the week. After a rough offensive performance from Gang Green in Chicago last week against the toughest defense Sam Darnold has faced thus far, the Jets will look to bounce back this Sunday in Miami. Missed opportunities and penalties plagued the Jets in their first matchup against the Dolphins in Week 2 at the Meadowlands, but the Dolphins' level of play has dropped significantly since Week 2. Miami has given up at least 27 points over the past five games, which means Sam Darnold should have a field day, especially if he gets his top two receiving threats back. Quincy Inunua and Robbie Anderson are both listed as questionable with ankle injuries headed into Sunday and could be on a snap count if they play, but having them involved in the Jets' offense at all will make them much more dynamic. The Jets are still a bit banged up on D with Tremaine Johnson listed as doubtful, but it won't matter if they can score the ball effectively. When asked about the Jets' struggles against Miami in Week 2, particularly their inability to run the ball, Bowles was straight to the point. They just did a good job. We got to do a better job running the football. Isaiah Crowell will look to get back to running the ball the way he did Week 5 against the Broncos. Since the franchise record 219 yards rushing in that game alone, Crowell has yet to break the 40-yard rushing mark in his last three games. He should have his opportunities against a softer defense than those that he's seen in recent weeks. I see the Jets turning things around against the 29th ranked defense in the NFL. Give me Jets 30, Dolphins 21. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. All right, so Jets Dolphins, the Jets sitting at three and five, going up against the Dolphins four and four. The Jets hosted the first meeting between these two teams. I believe it was week two, and just the, the takeaway from that game was opportunities, opportunities for the Jets, and they just couldn't capitalize. Really shot themselves in the foot. Just too many penalties throughout the game. And looking at the records of both of these teams, I'd say it's do or die if they want to make a run at the playoffs. I don't think either will end up being a playoff team. But for the Jets, being at 3-6, and six, you, and especially considering you got to play the Pats twice going forward, you're not going to come back from 3-6 and six if they lose this week and make a playoff run. For the Dolphins, the way things have been going, they need to ter- turn things around. So a-, a lot at stake for this one, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a good— th- I, I never thought this Jets team was going to be a playoff threat. I thought they were going to take a great step in the right direction, uh, especially if Sam Darnold, we don't know how quick he's going to progress in his NFL career, but he could definitely have a giant leap, say, the end of this season, early next year, and all of a sudden we're talking. I mean, because that's the thing about the NFL. At the end of the day, how good is your QB? That re- Green Bay will tell you it helps a, fill a lot of other holes. And your coach. To a certain extent, yeah. I think when you meld the two, you, you're unstoppable almost. Mm-hmm. I think, but if Sam that's- Darnold... That that is who I was referring to, right? <laughs> good, great. Or in college, all you have to do is have a good coach, a la Nick Saban. But what I'm saying is, is no matter what, I think the Jets should be content with the, the team they have in terms of this is actually a great future we're going to have, and let me enjoy it week by week, and not watch each game thinking about its potential playoff ramifications. Because best case scenario, you get in the playoffs. What are you going to do? Win the Super Bowl? No. Take your team in now. Enjoy it. They're fighting hard. And hope that they can be twice as good next year, which could be a possibility now. Yeah, I don't think either of these teams has any real chance as, at a at a playoff berth. So um, as far as playoff implications, I don't think those factor in too much. I agree with you, Reed. I liked the uh, Sam Darnold pick because you you ha- you know the Jets for a long time have not had a very good quarterback. They have a potential great quarterback in Darnold, taking him with the third pick. Uh, and this is another thing that we don't have to get into, but 
the the New York franchise that made the right decision last year in the draft was the Jets because they took a uh, potential franchise quarterback, Sam Darnold. The uh, Giants took Saquon Barkley at number two, who's great. You know, he could be the best running back of all time. Great. I think what, he might be. What was the last time that a running back led a team to a Super Bowl? But he's so talented. We're not going to get into this debate right now. What's the point? What's the point when Eli oh, there, stinks? There is Eli's a big terrible. point. There is a big point. Because they then can get a quarterback into... next year. They yes, can they get a franchise can. guy yes, next they year. Can. The year Saquon after. Barkley can. We will get into this during the Giants report. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's true. Sam Darnold uh, is in place for the Jets. As for the Dolphins, Tannehill's out again with a shoulder injury. That could be a good thing for the Dolphins. I don't think Ryan Tannehill's all that good. Um, and you know, they've proven that they can win potentially under, uh, Osweiler. So, uh, we'll see dolphins are at home. So that might play into it. Although I don't think that that's going to have a huge, it's hot for the 800 fans. I mean, but it's November now, you know, the the weather's not as much as I I, I grew up in Miami. I'll tell you, it's hot every day, including Christmas day, especially hotter than New York. I think Uh, at least, but it's not as bad as like, I am definitely hotter than New York than New York now. Although everybody in in Manhattan, the middle of the summer, that that is, that is hot. I I agree with you. The weather advantage isn't. You know, it's not week one or week two where it's like yeah. 100 degrees. Yeah, you know this game is going to be boring when we just spent two minutes talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Darnold should have his top receivers back as well, or could potentially have his top receivers back. Quincy Anunua and Robbie Anderson, both with ankle injuries, are, are questionable as of right now and should be game-time decisions. But getting Anunua back would be huge because that was the guy who he really established a rapport with, connected with early on. And in a weird way, I think it was kind of good for Anunua to miss some time for Darnold so that he could get a better relationship with other guys as opposed to go back to his, his sort of safety target. Like training wheels. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, maybe the that's a... the lining of the, of the injury, yeah. Very positive take there, um, <laughs> but who, who knows? Uh, definitely having those guys back will be good for the Jets passing game. That looked pretty bad against the Bears last week, but I, I really think that the Bears at Chicago, that was the toughest defensive test that Sam Darnold's had so far. And he's had some tough ones. The Vikings the week before, they played the Jags um, a few weeks back, Broncos. He's played some quality defenses this year and for the most part has looked pretty poised against them. Look, he's going to make his rookie mistakes sometimes. That's happens with anyone, but I, I agree with both of you guys that I think Darnold was the guy for the Jets. And I think we'll see that in coming years. He, he's mature. Uh, I always get the sense in, from the post-game talks that just in terms of off-the-field stuff and how to lead a team and always say the right thing, he's just very poised and mature from that standpoint. That's always a good thing to see in a franchise quarterback. You could, it could almost be excited that Sam Darnold's not having too good of a year because then you could wonder... I mean, not saying Derek Carr was was an exception, but maybe more like an RG3, though then one could argue the mm. reason RG3 was so good is because of the, the new type of scheme the NFL had to adjust to. But with Sam Darnold, it's almost like he has it, he's 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 there, but he's not what we want him to be. But for, but because he's not so surprising, you could see that maybe he's actually really steadily progressing. Meaning that once he progresses, he's not going to take a quick step back. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, if you take such a far step forward so quickly, you're inevitably going to take a step back. And then momentum, mentality, there's so much that goes into football like that. If you're a young guy and you you think that the NFL is super easy, or at least as easy as it was that first year, and then you got to take a giant step back, I think it's actually better that he's taking these incremental steps and, as you said, against great defenses. Like Mahomes right now, really not facing that much adversity. Then you Good never point. know, maybe, maybe next year... Uh, teams, you know, can study film on him. Then they come back and they know how to handle him. And then next year, yeah. maybe you're looking at Mahomes and you're questioning: Is he really as good as we were seeing last year? Meaning, 
right now. Uh, you made a good point about the Anunua injury. Um, I think that, you know, obviously going forward, uh, as many weapons as, as Darnold has around him, that's going to make him that much better. Um, but in the meantime, you're looking for, for progress from him and any silver lining you can take out of um, this kind of season, which isn't going to be, you know, playoffs or, or anything like that. Um, that's what you're looking for as a Jets fan is you're, you're trying to take what you see and, and kind of twist it into a positive um, because, you know, they are a franchise that could be headed in the right direction. Definitely headed in the right direction. And I, I've said it a number of times on the podcast through throughout this year. It's a season of moral victories for the Jets, as frustrating as that is. But the Jets should be used to it by now because that's pretty much been the franchise <laughs> for the past. 50 years. Uh, yeah, since its inception, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so just looking ahead at the Jets schedule. I mean, the only reason why I mentioned playoffs to begin with is because as much as I said it was tough. No, I'm going to stick with you. Play, playoffs aren't happening. You play the Pats twice. Do you like them? I, do I, do I, like I, the I want to know this. As a man who's been covering them, do you like them? Do as you like a, them now? Am and I you, a fan of the team? Do you know? Do you like where they're at right now, and do you think that they're going to be yeah. what we're talking about maybe? like, like Can yeah. you see them four years from now being play, legit playoff contenders? Definitely. I, I like the Le'Veon Bell signing in the offseason. I think that would be really Woo. cool. It could <laughs> it could blow up in my face 100%. That, could that blow up could, in their face. Yeah, their face because, I yeah, exactly. I won't, I won't be suffering from it. But um, as, as a fan, as a casual Jets fan, which I, I say. um, But, I mean, they have the pieces to do so. And like you guys have said, Franchise quarterback is definitely the block to start with if if there's any position there. I think they could also improve the line. They could improve the pass rush. There are a lot of things that need help. Their secondary, I think, is good, but it's been banged up th- throughout the season. So a lot of areas to improve, but I, I like the core. What's more likely, Sam Darnold's the for-, for sure franchise player of this team three years from now or that Brady's still playing? Ooh, uh, <laughs> I'll go with Darnold. Because Brady, eventually, I've been saying this forever, Brady's going to take one hit, and I like Brady, too. Liability. I'm, he's going to take one hit, and it's over. He's 41 years old. You <laughs> know, like dust. Yeah. <laughs> he might disappear right there. Just, just, uh, or just freeze, like, error, yeah. loading screen not found. But I hope he plays till he's 50, but I, I don't I don't see it happening. 50 And uh, he, he he would say it's possible. You know, he keeps saying that to everybody. The TB, what, what's, his, what's the thing called? TB40? TB12. TB12. It's TV 41. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to so, plead the fifth on that hypothetical because if I, uh, to 50? if I comment at all, it'll we'll be here till midnight. All right. <laughs> I appreciate the response. On that note, we'll go to uh, our second fantasy hit with John DeBarro. We're going to get our sleepers for this week and then go into some Giants talk. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Phil Rivers may be in the middle of an MVP caliber season, but that doesn't mean he's a sure bet for fantasy production this weekend in Seattle. The Seahawks have allowed the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this season and look to be returning to form on defense. A tough matchup in a hostile road environment limits Rivers' fantasy potential. Bills running back LaShawn McCoy has yet to score more than 13 fantasy points this season, and you should expect more of the same against the stout Chicago Bears defense. Nathan Peterman under center should translate to a big workload for McCoy, but the 30-year-old's back has yet to show he can shoulder the load for a terrible Buffalo offense. And Demarius Thomas became a Houston Texan this past week and will immediately face his old team in Denver this Sunday. While the matchup has all the makings of a big revenge game, it's important to remember why Thomas was traded in the first place. The former Pro Bowler is still number two receiver in Houston, and his fantasy owners should wait out this week to see his role in a brand new offense. 
And those are some guys you should steer clear of in fantasy this week. Great stuff from John. We have one more fantasy hit from him coming up in a little while, and then he'll join us for the Pick'em segment, everybody's favorite part of the show. But now it's time for our Giants report with Giants beat reporter Davis Pampanato. Bye week means it's time to regroup, but it's too late for the Giants. The real group that needs a week off from Giants football is the fans. Eight games in and it's tough to watch, but the perceived potential of this team keeps interest buzzing. The two glaring problems for Big Blue are the first two boxes that any NFL team needs to check off before complimenting to it. A solid offensive line and a dynamic quarterback. The game is played in the trenches and the Giants front office didn't get that memo. This line has no synergy to it on the field or from a logistical standpoint. We've seen six different starters at three positions on the line, and none of them have really worked out. Priority number one for the Giants after the season is addressing this monstrosity of a line. Shifting to the quarterback, my biggest concern with Eli is his lack of confidence. Although I've gotten on Eli pretty hard for his performance thus far, I do believe there's still something there. Confidence will be the key in the second half for the 37-year-old vet. Not only in himself, but Pat Shermer's confidence in Eli and Eli's confidence in his weapons will be the difference maker the rest of the way. Coming next, the Giants have their two easiest matchups remaining, on the road against the 49ers and home against the Buccaneers. I'm begging you, Giants fans, do not call for a tank. The goal for the rest of the season should be to salvage what's left of it and evaluate talent that's currently on the roster to build for the future. Covering Big Blue, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. All right, so Giants on a bye this week, and it couldn't have come at a better time with pretty much everything going wrong. Losers of five straight, but they were competitive in a lot of those games if you want to look for the silver lining as we've been doing throughout this show. Um... Could you make the argument that they maybe could have a winning record at this point, or is that is that too far? Because a lot of these games, single-digit losses, lost on like a 60-yard field goal, it seems like for the second straight season in game four, just, just bad luck, or are they really a bad team? Uh, I think part of winning has to do with luck, and I think part of losing has to do with your mental approach, and I think that's what the Giants are lacking. I think that, yeah, if some things went their way, they would be a better record-wise team, but I think they're at a point where they're in their own heads. Do you know what I mean? They have all the skill, kind of the same way. They probably expected, like a lot of us, that they'd be good, just like last year that they would be good. And I just, I don't have faith in them. I can't come to you and be and, and honestly tell you, oh, they're going to turn things around because they haven't really shown anything that would prove that they could, even if they have the talent to do it. You know, you know, what you I'm know saying? why they're a bad team. Because they have a bad quarterback. Yep. He's terrible. Eli Manning, he's done. He's been done for years. I've been saying it for a while. And that's why I brought it up uh, last segment. They should not have taken Saquon Barkley at number two. I don't care if right, he's the next let's coming of this. Barry let's Sanders, yeah, here we go. Jim let's Brown. I don't care if he's an all-time quarterback. You know, he because gets there, the, there's no QBs that are going to be available next year in the draft, right? 
No one's there, gonna be available. There will be, but the you had is, three you, other franchise quarterbacks go in the top ten. Those if picks, you didn't like the pick, if you didn't like the pick, you should have traded it away. You can get they so love many. The pick. They you can love get a the ton pick. of first round draft picks if you trade away the number two pick. You, why would you pass on that? The fact is, Saquon Barkley because, is a surefire thing. A QB isn't. Okay, so you hand it off to him in the backfield. He gets up to the line. You know, follows a hole. Deke, juke, spin move, whatever. Eight yards. Great. That's fantastic. That is a big deal if you have a franchise QB. But if yeah, and, but they don't. But I guarantee you if someone like an Andrew Luck was in that draft, then they would have taken him. It was the fact that the yeah. quarterback class, there was no okay. surefire If you guy. don't like the quarterback mm. class, then take then a QB. A, then take a running back, right? No, don't take a running back. Trade the pick away oh, or please. take somebody else at please. number two. Uh, don't I take a running back. Running, back grows on, running backs grow on trees. Okay, you can get also, them from anywhere. No, not with Saquon, man. You can't get a guy like Saquon. You cannot get a guy like Saquon ever. You can't get a guy like Saquon anywhere, but you can get That's a service Put football aside. Put football aside. Just purely money, and that's what the NFL is at the end of the day. It's a money. It's a business. Saquon Barkley sells jerseys. Saquon Barkley gets us to watch the game in the season Whee! when that team's horrible. Woo! Jerseys. That's my a Barkley big de- jersey this, in the this stand. Is a big that's, deal. that's not going to be my argument, the jersey part. No, no, no but, I'm not saying it's yeah. not, but if you put everything aside, he at least gives you that. Sure, there's no exciting. One, the, there's no one on that, in that draft that they thought would be a franchise QB. Right, that's the, what it was. The game against the Eagles, he was the best player on the field. They lost by 21 points. It wasn't even competitive. And when they get that QB, they're going to be even that much more of a threat. And the other, yeah, I agree with that. You don't have it's not a one-year deal for Barkley. You, if everything goes well, you're going to have him for at least 5-6 years where he's playing at this level. If you look at the average life expectancy of a running back career, you know, so if if the life expectancy of a running back career is like the lowest of any position. It is. It is low. So that's why I'm saying that, hopefully I, I, I 5 to 6 that, years. That is that is it's a good another point. point I mean, you could make that backs. point. That's one of the valid points. I will be like, okay, that is a good argument, but not a reason not to take him. Sure, exactly. That's how good he is, is, is my point. So even with a, a shorter career, you, if say you have him for a five-year window and he's this good, you you assume he's only going to get better in the next year or two. I don't I don't think he's in his prime, and I, I think a case could be made that he's already the most talented running back in the league right now. So you give it a year or two, trade for a Derek Carr right now, all of a sudden you have – or maybe not trade for a Carr – Take Kyle, uh, no, uh, who's, who's the uh, Oregon qu- quarterback? Or whoever the top quarterback is in the draft. They're going to have a pick. They're going to have an opportunity to take That's what I'm saying, the right? top quarterback. And if, if you don't like that guy, trade for, for a serviceable guy who is not Eli Manning. I, I was backing Eli after the Texans game this year. I said that was one of his best performances I've ever seen him have. But since then, you have five straight duds of, of weeks. I guarantee if, if Carr was in there, we've talked a lot about Der- Derek Carr throughout this show. I think they're I think they're a 500 team if they have a, a Derek Carr in there or a quarterback that can make throws and at least keep the defense honest and scramble a little bit. So, so, or if, if they had a Darnold, go, going back to your point, somebody with a little bit more mobi- mobility, just that we, we haven't talked about Odell at all. You talk about they're they're not utilizing Odell for everything that he can do. He's said it before. He's he's pretty much at this point. You, you use him for a quick slant, quick screen, but you can't really uh, hit him down. Manning the field. can't push the ball like exactly. Yards All right, the field. okay. Say you draft That's the problem. Say you draft that franchise QB in the draft that doesn't exist, but he does exist in your mind. Wait, weren't we just talking about how Darnold could and be a franchise quarterback? He could be. He could and then be. we didn't even mention but Josh I'm, Rosen okay, or Josh Allen or the, Lamar the Jackson is, do you or any put of the quarterbacks. That, after you want to put that guy behind their offensive line. Do you want that? Do you want to put this potential franchise QB behind that offensive line and get beat up your first year? Then like take that? an offensive lineman instead of a running back. Oh Lord. So you're saying you're saying the New York Giants should have taken an offensive lineman over Saquon Barkley. If their offensive line is that bad, then sure. 
But here's what I think you're missing. If, if it's an <laughs> argument for a running back, a, a pretty good running back, then I agree with you. I think you're making great no, he's points. He's fabulous. Who are the last? Well, he's know, more than fabulous. I think he's. Who are the last five running backs to be on the Super Bowl winning team? It's a lot, like why know why, back why, know why they're not coming? Last year, oh, why know why they're not coming? Because a generational a talent's hard to come by. But Saquon Barkley is that generational talent. Okay. Yeah. How many you know really big playoff games did Barry Sanders win? Well, no one player wins it on their own. I thought Saquon Barkley was that good. He's better than any of the QBs in the draft. If you pair him, watch. If they get a franchise quarterback to pair with Saquon Barkley, pair with Odell Beckham, that's going to be the top uh, offense in the league for a solid few years. They need a quarterback there. They need to improve the line a little bit, but I don't think the line is as bad as everyone's saying it is. It's a mid-to-poor to level line. It is not a historically bad line, you know? It's a big like, if to come up with a, a franchise quarterback, though, and you had – Three or four sitting out there. They they probably there was didn't not believe three that, or though. four franchise QBs in this. It last depends draft. on who you ask. They they clearly didn't believe. Franchise they didn't believe QBs, in Donald. There's only 32 teams in this league. How many players from each? Like, like there's no way. When's the last time you found a draft with four legitimate franchise? I mean, tam, QBs? time will tell. People were really high on this draft, but on, only time will tell. You, you know, to to we'll cancel on Rosen to can't. But this this draft especially. That's that's the. I'll give you that point. That this draft was supposedly super quarterback heavy. You look at Rosen, Allen, Darnold. Uh, Baker, all, all these guys, franchise quarterback, franchise quarterback. And that's why it was such an exciting draft. But we're not going to really know that for years uh, to, to come. And of any of the guys, I'd say Mayfield has been sort of impressive this year. Donald's sort of impressive. The, the other two, not no one has been as good as Barkley this year. But I, I get that running backs, you can sort of just plug them in and they're going to be incredible to begin with rather than quarterbacks. There's a bit of a learning curve. But just as great as Barkley's been, I can't see the argument that they shouldn't have taken him based on how how great he's been so far. Who was the last guy that, that we looked at and were, was were like, wow, this guy is an, you know, potentially all-time running back. He's going to lead his team. I would say it's Adrian Peterson. <laughs> what has Adrian Peterson accomplished? Like an MVP almost well, broke the running record? Yeah, close to the Super Bowl. The argument isn't, okay, we drafted Saquon Barkley, we're done, we're done with this whole NFL drafting thing. No, it's Saquon Barkley's a legitimate best running back in this league potentially. We're going to work on developing the other aspects of our team throughout the year, give Eli one more year, maybe let him know throughout that year, hey, buddy, your last game, and then work to find that replacement whether he's in the NFL right now or in college waiting to join the league next year. The Giants made a mistake. They chose loyalty over choosing... You know, How can better you say players. they made a mistake when they have Saquon Barkley, who's doing amazing? Because they have Eli Manning, and Eli Manning is that big well, of a mistake that they're a one and seven team right now, rather than what probably could easily be like a five and three, six and two team with a serviceable quarterback. He'll be gone by next year. I'm I'm pretty <laughs> confident that everyone everyone was like, "Oh my God, Ben McAdoo, what are you doing, Eli Manning? You're sitting him like he's so great." Now looking back, maybe they should have sat Eli Manning mm. and gone in a new direction. It was it, it was the manner in which they did it. And yeah, it I'm didn't not saying like Ben McAdoo was, was all that great. Sitting him for Geno Smith made no <laughs> yeah, sense to me. You're not gonna die in that hill at, at that point last year. <laughs> I am dying on this Ben McAdoo. Geno. McAdoo and his mustache were the best <laughs> yeah, things that happened yeah. to this city. So we'll, we'll Far see. From it. Hopefully, I mean things can't look. They, they can't go anywhere but up for the Giants right now. I think it'd be difficult to do so. Actually, you never know. Maybe some injuries. They, they could always go down. Yeah, what if Saquon Matter blows a knee? But oh, don't, How great don't even. Does that we're ending the discussion now. right here. This guy <laughs> hypothetical injuries. Saquon. What if what if Sam? You Donald could have had five first round picks. Sam you could have two does. offensive linemen, two guys on defense, I'm and a done. serviceable I'm running I'm done back. with the Saquon shade. He's he's been carrying my fantasy team, and perfect segue for our last fantasy update of the day before we get into some pickums. And I'm l- looking to improve from my 40 percent record, abysmal so far. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. 
Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. It's been three weeks since Alex Smith topped 200 passing yards, but the Redskins quarterback makes for a sneaky good play against the Falcons defense that has surrendered the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. In a week with three top 15 quarterbacks on bye, Alex Smith makes for a capable last-minute substitute who can take advantage of a favorable matchup. The departure of Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley from the Browns may signal a return to fantasy relevance for Duke Johnson. The Browns will need to move the ball through the air to keep up the Chiefs' offense, which bides well for Johnson to be heavily involved in Cleveland's passing game. Nick Chubb will get the bulk of the rushing touches and goal line work, but game script will keep Johnson on the field and scoring fantasy points against a Chiefs' league worth's defense. And Ravens receiver Michael Crabtree draws a nice matchup versus a Steelers' defense that yields the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers. Crabtree may be coming off his worst outing of the season, but before that he was riding a three-game streak of at least five catches. Expect Joe Flacco's number one option to reprise his role as an elite red zone target in this Sunday's rivalry game. And those are some fantasy sleepers that will give you the edge in week nine. So how's everybody's fantasy teams doing so far this year? You guys you guys play fantasy? I know I Brandon do. say you, uh, you absolutely. don't. I, I actually don't. I do. I do one league, I don't but do I, it for money. What's do the record so I far? I live vicariously through my roommates' Six fantasy two. Six and two. I'm five and three, but I have the most points scored in my league, but the most points scored against me, which seems to happen every year. It's a badge of honor, the most points scored against you. Yeah, objectively, that is the best way to judge a fantasy team because head-to-head is kind of an arbitrary way to do it when you think about it. you got to go by points for. I can't complain. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. If you're you're judging overall quality of teams, who's been each of your main, main guy this year? Who's been carrying? I snagged James Conner off the waiver wire early on. I really hope you say Saquon Barkley. That'd be so funny. (laughs) (laughs) He turns around and goes, Saquon Barkley. Well, as I say, I live vicariously through my roommate's fantasy teams, and he's got uh, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara's been great. I got Barkley. He's mine. I mean, I have Aaron Rodgers, too. too. Aaron Rodgers is my QB with Matt Ryan, who's been sleepy good. I'm starting to feel really, really nerdy now, but uh, I like fantasy. It's not for money. I don't like betting money on it because I feel like it then cheapens my passion for it, but... I hear you. Very noble. And I have one team. One team only. It's the only You should only have one team. It's the best way Fair to do enough. it. Fair enough. Just quick, quick brag before Char- we get into the... <laughs> Charlie, our producer, just em. told me I have five. <laughs> like, it, like as if we're at church and it's a confessional. He's just Char- like, I have five. Shout out to Charlie also. He's undefeated. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be hard when you got five chances. I think Charlie might run the table. As much as I hate to say it, I want to take him out in the playoffs, but it may not happen. Uh, just <laughs> quick brag. My, my main team that I'm most proud of, Mahomes, Saquon, and Thielen. And I'm somehow only five and three, so it's the magic touch. Pat on the back for myself there, and with that, we'll go into uh, pick 'em, where I definitely could improve. All right, Bears at Bills. Got to go with the Bears. I think they're very underrated, and will end up winning the NFC North. The Bears. I'm going with the Bears. The Bills have one of the most inept offenses I've ever seen. Yeah, I go with Chicago too. Nathan Peterman. Enough said. Bucks at Panthers. Got to go Panthers here. Although I want to pitch. Pick Fitzmagic, I can't do it. Fitzmagic, no, I'm I'm a big Cam Newton fan. I know he's not perfect, but I think he's enough to help Carolina. Fitzmagic is back on, but they're losing to the Panthers. I got the Panthers. Yeah, I'll go Carolina as well. Don't count them out for the division either, even with how well New Orleans has been playing. Chiefs at Browns, gotta ride the Mahomes wave. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, not a hard pick, Casey. Browns are in turmoil. Chiefs. Chiefs as well. Jets at Dolphins. I've been wrong on pretty much every Jets pick this year. I'm going to pick them again. Give me the Jets. Uh, I think it's going to be close, but I do believe 
the Jets are going to edge it out. Give me the Jets. They drafted a franchise quarterback. <laughs> I'll go with the Dolphins only because they're at home. All right, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Ooh. Rivalry game. Got to go with Pittsburgh. Looks like they've turned, turned everything around. I'm, I'm going to go with Baltimore. I believe in Joe Flacco. It's, it's turning it in on them. Season's on the line. I got the Ravens at home. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, and that's more on a reflection of, I just think the Raiders are a below 500 team hiding behind a pretty good defense. And I'm, I'm going to call it now. I think John Harbaugh gets fired at the end of the season. Woo! It's about time. He's been there forever, it yeah. feels like. Lions at Vikings. Give me the Vikings. Vikings, too, but not too confident. Vikings. Yep, Minnesota. Another clean sweep. Except for Charlie, who picked Detroit, he just tells me. Atlanta at Washington. Give me the Falcons in a minor upset. Yeah, Fal I was going to go with the Falcons, too. I think I can see an offensive explosion. This is tough. I'm going to take the Redskins. John sleeper pick, uh, Alex Smith. Yeah, I like Alex Smith this week. Ugh, he's a really boring 5-2. and two. I guess that's just the Alex Smith effect. But <laughs> I like Atlanta. I think they're off a bye, so I like Atlanta this week. Houston at Denver. Damn, this is a tough one. I'm going to go Denver. I think Houston losing Will Fuller will be bigger than expected. Denver's a hard place to go on the road, but I still think Houston's going to overcome it. Yeah, I got Broncos at home because it's tough to play on the road, especially for a young quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm going to go with Denver. I just feel like Houston's due for a loss. They've been winning too many in a row. Chargers at Seahawks. Seattle, real tough place to play still, even though they're not as good as they used to be. Give me the Seahawks. I'm going to go with Chargers. I think Philip Rivers is one of the most historically underrated QBs. Seahawks. I'm kind of, kind of fooling myself to thinking the Chargers are better than they actually are. They beat the five worst teams in the league, lost to the best two teams in the league. So because of that, I'm going with Seattle because I think they have more momentum right now. Rams at Saints might be the game of the week. I think the Rams stay undefeated in a close one. I'm going to go Saints. I think it's an upset offensive explosion. They're going to lose the first game. Saints at home in the dome behind uh -huh. Drew Brees. Yeah, give me the Saints for the same reason. I think the Superdome still means something as long as the Saints team is playing well. Another potential game of the week, Green Bay at New England. Tough to win in Foxborough. Give me the Pats. I think Patriots, Tom Brady's going to edge it out on that GOAT status one more time. Second real matchup between Rodgers and Brady. Too few for their careers, but uh, I got the Patriots at home. Brady. Yeah, give me the Patriots as well. I think this Packers team is so bad. And then last one, Tennessee at Dallas. Don't like either of these teams, but I'll go Cowboys in this one. Yep, I'll go Cowboys as well. I want to take the Titans. I want to believe in the Titans, but I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Cowboys too, only because they're at home, even though it's a terrible quarterback matchup, but I think Dak gets the edge. And that'll do it for this week's edition of NFL Friday. We didn't even get to talk Rodgers Brady. No, Rodgers Brady. Real quick, oh my final gosh. take on Rodgers Brady. Brady's the best like? quarterback ever. Rodgers is the best QB in the league right now. It's not even a discussion. Brady's the best quarterback ever. Rodgers is vying for second place in this decade, really. I think Rodgers is the most talented quarterback ever. Just on pure arm talent, but it's so hard to compete with Brady's legacy. You took my take right there. That's what I was going to say. Rodgers, best, most talented. Brady's still the GOAT, though. you got to win some more rings before I can cement him as, as a GOAT. So that'll do it for Reed Horner, Brendan O'Connell, John DeBarro, and Charlie Mizano producing. I'm Vinny DeBellis. Thanks for tuning in. Check out NFL Friday next week.